Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. We're marching towards spring. <laughs> Feels yes. like winter still where I live, but mm-hmm. I just know there's a daffodil waiting for me oh, yes. somewhere. And as we're in this season of the year, I don't know about you, but I've just been kind of struck by we live in an age where we need some heroes. There are heroic figures, of course. We just don't always know their story, but I'm just thinking, would anyone ever look at me and say, that guy's a hero? I don't know yes. if I ever have had that ambition, but maybe we should all be reaching for that a little bit more. What do you think? I think so. I think the world uh, is a desperate place, and there's a lot of broken places, a lot of places that could use some fixin', and that sometimes takes a hero. Which brings us to our series on Viewpoint these days. We're talking about saints, saints who have been recognized as heroes over the last 20 centuries. When I say the word saint, Jamie, what comes to your mind? What do you think of a saint? (laughs) Really? um, (laughs) So many different things. But when I think of a saint, I think of someone who is you know, blemish-free, someone who is really crossing every T and dotting every I. And uh, someone who's perfect then. <laughs> yeah, who's living the highest pure standard. and clean. That's right. Yeah. And that's our popular vision of it. And that's got some merit because we celebrate great people who have lived before us often. And we look back on their lives and think, wow, they were perfect or they were a cut above. Those are saints. Actually, what we learn in the Bible is that anyone who is redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Anyone who puts their trust in Christ becomes a saint. But there are some people whose lives have so much influence and impact that, well, we just can't help but call them saints in a different way because they just are standouts. And that's what we're doing on Viewpoint, is we're calling out some of those names so we don't forget the stories of heroes in days gone by so that maybe we could, well, become heroes right now. When we think about saints in the kind of conventional use of the term in the English language, which is usually referring to a class of people in history who are standouts, uh, as opposed to anyone who has been following God, we think about saints of long ago. And that's fair because long ago there have been some great figures, heroic figures. Some churches have calendars where they have saints' days, for instance. You know, it's, well, St. Valentine's Day. That's just past us on the February 14th. And That day is set apart because it's thought that Valentine, who was a real guy, died on the 14th of February. And most days on these calendars that celebrate these great figures of men and women of ancient time, the day that's chosen to celebrate their life is actually the day of their death. That's what's remembered. That's the marker of it. And uh, today we want to talk about a guy who goes way, way back to the dawn of Christian history. And uh, we know that he lived uh, in that early period of the Christian age. He was a bridge between the apostles and that first century church. We know that he died in the year 156, and we know that he died on the 23rd of February, and that means that the 23rd of February has traditionally been called his Saints' Day. We're not talking about him today because we want to make a thing about the saints, but just because he's an heroic figure who actually, wow, stands out. I kind of want to be like him. I know. I was just looking up his name. His name is Greek, and it means fruitful, rich in fruit. And I just thought, wow, that's just, it describes him perfect. And what's his name? 
Polycarp. Polycarp. Now, there's a name that some people have heard, but we think, what is that? Is that some kind of fish? Or what's a polycarp? (laughs) (laughs) Polycarp is a real guy. And he lived long, and he was murdered for his faith. And his story is something that should inspire us. So let's just walk through a little bit of his story. Jamie, what do we know about this guy? I mean, he became a Christian, I think, um, early on in his life, right? He was a youngster or maybe a teenager when he decided, you know, this Jesus thing is something I want to explore. But he wasn't murdered for his faith until he was 86. So he had a long life walking as a Christian. And here's something that's fascinating about Polycarp. Who was the guy that actually mentored him, that kind of poured into his life? Well, it said that the disciple, he was a disciple of the Apostle John and also ordained to be Bishop of Smyrna by John. So think about that. The Apostle John, like Peter, James, and John, like 12 disciples. (laughs) One of those guys, John, is actually the mentor of Polycarp. John lived to be a ripe old age also. His life wasn't easy, but he lived a long time. And he identified in Polycarp, apparently, that he had leadership skills, that he had potential. And John poured into him, spoke to him, taught him, discipled him. I mean, think about that. I think I'd like to have a good teacher. Who shall I choose? How about John, (laughs) who walked with Jesus, who watched Jesus walk on the water, who saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead? Yeah, this John who stood at the foot of the cross, and Jesus called out to him and said, I want you to take care of my mom. That same guy is the teacher of Polycarp. But John is a generation ahead of Polycarp. So John passes away, and Polycarp, as you said, becomes the bishop of Smyrna, which is a church mentioned in the New Testament. Today, Smyrna is the modern city in Turkey called Izmir. But it's the same town, same place. And uh, we also know that he tended to be kind of a humble and unpretentious guy. And we know that because of the way in which his letters read. There are some things he wrote and how he presents himself in those ancient letters shows us that he was not full of himself. He had a certain kind of uh, humility about him, and that that always speaks well for somebody. What else can you tell me about him? Well, he was a defender of the faith. He was very um, unwavering in his faith, and he also was among the earliest Christians whose writings survived. So, So the details we're giving you about his life— a really solid history. This is not just mythology. It's not a made-up tale, not just something that's been handed down. There's actually written evidence of his life, contemporaneous to his life. Polycarp is the real deal. And he leads the church. He is a defender of the faith. He argues with people who are trying to be in the church and yet not embrace the reality of Christ and uh, the way in which Jesus was the very person of God, born into human form. And these were important things that Polycarp just would not surrender. And if you, if you didn't believe that, he was, he was going to put you down and say, no, you have to, this is about Jesus. It's about the Jesus that we have learned about. And then, of course, think Polycarp can argue, I talked to John. <laughs> John is the one who told me this stuff. He was there when Jesus raised from the dead. And so Polycarp was all that. We don't know what prompted it, but when he's an old man, when he's 86, he's going to be arrested. Word is spread that Polycarp is going to be arrested by the Roman government. We're not sure why. It's never been clear why, but he knows he's going to be arrested. What do his friends tell him to do? 
They told him to run. <laughs> run away. Get out. Run away. Hide. And what does Polycarp say? He told them that he was, this was part of his destiny, that he was not to run. He was to face it. And, and he didn't. He was unfazed by it all. He had a sense that God was working through his life and that he was not going to run away and that somehow God would be glorified in his arrest. He actually was a person who had visions. He felt like God spoke to him and showed him some things, and he, he believed that God showed him that he would ultimately be burned alive, and he accepted that. He didn't wrestle with it. When we come back, Jamie, we're going to finish the story of Polycarp, and I mean, it's pretty amazing. Sometimes it feels like I'm watching from the outside. Sometimes it feels like I'm breathing. But am I alive? I won't keep searching for answers that aren't here to find. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. This is not where I is a bridge from the first century to the second century after Christ. He was mentored himself by the Apostle John. He becomes the Bishop of Smyrna, which is today Izmir in modern Turkey. It was a great, great assignment. He was a towering figure 
a great man who was universally regarded, but also in his old age, at the age of 86, he's arrested by the Roman government, and he is going to trial, and he's going to be murdered for his faith. He had some visions along the way where he felt like the Lord was reassuring him, you are going to suffer, you're even going to be burned alive, but I've got this. And he believed that. So when he's arrested, he goes before a Roman judge. He's hauled off, and uh, the judge's name was Statius Quadratus, and he was the Roman proconsul. He's the officer of the emperor, and he's now interviewing Polycarp. And how does the history read, Jamie? I mean, there he is. There's Polycarp. He's an old man. He's got the whole Roman Empire against you. It's just you and the proconsul and all the soldiers. How does history record that Polycarp conducted himself at that trial? Well, according to um, what I read, he was very calm and he kind of engaged in a witty discussion with them. He went back and forth and he challenged them with something that was, it just kind of really shook me to the core. He was just saying that even though the fires are lit and they'll last for a while, the fires of judgment reserved for the ungodly cannot be quenched. And I mean, so, it's, a, it's a remarkable thing. He's quoted as remarkable. saying that to the judge because the judge was threatening him, I'm going to burn you alive. And, he's, and he comes back with, yeah, you know what, that, that's going to burn for a while, but not like the fire exactly. <laughs> reserved for the ungodly. Those can't be quenched. I mean, he is completely calm and collected mm-hmm. and rational in the face, Even in the last breath. In the last like breath. The last breath, he was still proclaiming the gospel. <laughs> That's right. And Polycarp, in his calmness, apparently annoyed the Roman proconsul, <laughs> who <laughs> probably wanted him to cower a little bit or maybe mm-hmm. to to be afraid or mm-hmm. to say, oh, maybe this whole Jesus trip is, is wrong, you know, to surrender his faith in Christ mm-hmm. so that he could live. But he wouldn't do it. And that annoyed this Roman proconsul. Mm-hmm. And so he ordered him to be taken to the stake, to be tied down to a stake and set on fire. And Polycarp is said to have not even been tied to a stake. He said, you don't have to tie me down. Mm -hmm. And they set him aflame. I mean, it's horrifying, the cruelty of humanity. And Mm -hmm. for what? For what reason? Because he committed a crime? No, because they didn't like what he believed and what he proclaimed. As he died, the last words, the witnesses, remembered him saying as he died, God's will be done. He knew that he was falling into the hands of God. What happened, uh, Jamie, after that? Polycarp died. He died in front of a crowd. And how did people react? They admired his courage, even those that were not Christians at the time. They admired him because he was very brave in the face of death, and he did not waver. And so I think that people were astonished and I don't know. If I was watching, I would be, I would have been nervous for him. <laughs> You'd be anxious for what's that nervous, that fear for him. But they were they were very amazed at how he was able to stand. So I think that was a loud witness to those who didn't believe. The historic record says that even the heathen talked incessantly about the wonder and the power of Polycarp's witness. The fact that he was willing to die, and he did so with a certain calm because he believed so deeply in the living Christ, impressed them. Who knows? No one can know. How many people changed their own life course consequent to his witness at his death? And of course, 
Polycarp's more than just his death. He had a lifetime of establishing his values, his integrity, and his confidence that Jesus was alive. And I'm looking around the world today and I'm thinking, wow, who has that kind of integrity? Who's willing to stand before a judge knowing that they can be killed simply for what they believe and not change what they say? It's heroic and it has huge impact. And we live in a world that could use some more people who are so deeply grounded in the principles of their heart that they are unafraid to face the consequences. And I I love the fact that Polycarp saw it as an honor to be able to partake in this suffering. And so I think not only um, being willing to be bold is important, but also to consider it an honor to um, partake in the sufferings in Christ. Which reminded me of John, because the Apostle John was Polycarp's mentor. And listen to these words, Jamie, from the second letter of John. It's called 2 John, verses 7 to 11. This is what John, the man who poured into Polycarp's life and helped frame his heart and mind, this is what John wrote. Many deceivers have come and gone out of this world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in this teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give them any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. I was reading this and I thought, (laughs) that's Polycarp, isn't it? It John is talking, but Polycarp is so convinced that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is the subject, that Jesus is the center of all things. Mm -hmm. He's not wavering. And Don't even let somebody come and tell you that Jesus is not all that. Exactly. Because then you become complicit Mm -hmm. in this evil work of denying him. And he gave his life for that truth. There are some things that Polycarp is quoted as saying as we think about the heroic. I know that you have read some of these quotes before, Jamie, but give me a quote of Polycarp, just one that stands out to you. He said, 80 and six years have I served Christ, nor has he ever done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? I bless thee for deigning me worthy of this day and this hour that I may be among thy martyrs and drink the cup of my Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he said in the company of witnesses who have written them down at his passing. It's so bold. I like this. Hear me declare with boldness, I am a Christian. I love that. That's <laughs> right. Any questions, anybody? That's who I am. Yes. I'm, I'm standing up for it. This is another thing he said. By grace you are saved and not of works, but by the will of God through Jesus Christ. He's quoting here from Paul's writings to the Ephesians. If we please him, Polycarp says, in this present world, we shall receive also the future world according as he has promised to us that he will raise us up again from the dead and that if we live worthily of him, we shall also reign together with him, provided only we believe. He has conviction 
There is a world to come. There is life after death. There's a way to find life in Christ. How about you? We don't know what your story is. We're not sure what the challenges of your world might be, but I promise you the world could use some more folks like Polycarp who would just simply stand up and say, I want to declare this with boldness. I am a Christian. Because when you say that, then you are held accountable to what it means to follow Jesus, to be like him. And Polycarp was. That's heroic. How about you? Do you want to be a hero? How about you? Do you want to have a certain sure-footedness so that no matter what happens, you're not afraid? Do you want to have that certainty that there is life to come and that you are going to have a future that does not end, that is bright and beautiful? You can. You can walk in the footsteps of Polycarp and the man who led him to Jesus. That guy's name was John, who followed Jesus himself. How do you start? Pray with us right now. I promise you, God is listening and he will answer. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know us each one by name and that you have given each of us a destiny. We're thankful, Lord, that in this world that is filled with so many broken places, so much cruelty and so much wickedness, even in a world like this, there's so much light and life in those who follow Jesus. Thank you for the witness of Polycarp, for his steadfastness, and for the way in which he, with courage, refused to back down when dared to do so. We're thankful, Lord, for the way in which he heroically demonstrated that Jesus lives. I pray for all who join me in this prayer, that we might be people of the same conviction, that we might know Jesus personally, that we might be convicted of his power in our lives, his call to make us new and to make us heroic. I pray, Lord, that we might all have the depth of heart and mind to say boldly, we are Christians and that that will hold us accountable in front of men and women. We pray, Lord, that we might approach, that we might reach for the heroic for Jesus' sake, and in that find life. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Unending 
you'd like to know more about how you could follow Jesus and, well, discover some of the heroic that God has planted in you already, give us a call. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're by the phone, just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone. We want to hear from you. But Jamie, I know that some people may not feel like they want to talk to anybody on the phone just yet. How can they check us out online? They can go to cbhviewpoint.org. That's CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, viewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email. We'll be so glad to reply. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this week. Jimmy, thanks for diving into Polycarp's story with us today. Oh, so awesome. thank you for having me. I just feel revved up. I want to go out and do something to change the world. <laughs> something bold. We hope that you have the same and that you'll join us again next week when we tell you about one more hero, another saint from long ago that speaks even to the present day. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.